Hello, welcome to another episode of Florida Foodie. I'm your host, Lisa Bell. You can get just about anything on demand. Your favorite show or movie, groceries, clothing, and food. There's an app to bring it all right to your door. And those apps have also opened the door for a new kind of restaurant. They're called Ghost Kitchens. There's no dining room, no waiters, everything is takeout or delivery. Central Florida's first ghost kitchen is booming, and while there is only one kitchen, they offer several different menus. We sat down with the owner of Kitchen AF, Jim Marshall, to learn all about ghost kitchens, where he got the idea, and how his business is thriving in this on-demand culture. Hello and welcome back to Florida Foodie. I'm your host, Lisa Bell, along with our producer, Thomas Mates. Hello. Hello. Now, Uber Eats, Postmates, DoorDash, all of these apps bring hot food right to your door at the push of a button. Those apps have also made a new restaurant trend available. We're talking about ghost kitchens. Never heard of that before. It is a relatively new business model. And to help explain it for us, we are joined by the owner of Central Florida's first ghost kitchen, Kitchen AF, Mr. Jim Marshall. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. You are a Florida native. I'm a Florida native. But you've been in Central Florida since the 80s. Yep. And working in the food industry for a long time. Long time. Okay. How did you get started and what did you start out doing? Uh, My first job was McDonald's. And the first day on the job, I uh, burned myself making French fries and didn't tell anyone until after the lunch rush was over. Okay. And the manager looked at my burn and said, that's pretty bad. Why didn't you say something? I said, people don't care if I'm burned. They want their French fries. And he looked at me and said, you're going to go a long way in this industry. (laughs) And I think that that was just that first statement really got me interested in the food business and then started training as a as a culinary professional, as a chef in my 20s, managed uh, several restaurants, did some work in a couple of chains, and then finally just decided if I'm going to stay in this industry, I'm going to do it for myself. And then opened my first restaurant in 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, 789 Deli was downtown by the courthouse. Uh, that evolved into uh, what I believe, and I, I've, not, I've not found anybody yet to contradict this uh, to me. I started the first virtual concepts in about 2004 as part of our catering business. And basically, we, uh, we had a, a pretty good catering thing going for 789 Deli. Uh, but mostly the only things that people ordered from our menu were deli-oriented. Salad, soup, sandwich, even though we offered Italian food, Mexican food, different items on there. And in discussing that with a guy who represented us online as part of a platform similar to, to Uber Eats and DoorDash, it was called V Meals, and it was a kind of an aggregate place where you could find a lot of caterers in one place. He said to me, you know, fajitas, I think people want to order those from a Mexican place and not from a deli. So I was. I thought to myself, well, the, you know, as far as anybody knows on this website, I'm just a name and a menu. Mm-hmm. So can I be a Mexican place too? Mm-hmm. So we started Max Mexican Grill and put that up on uh, the the website, and lo and behold, people started to order fajitas from us. So then we became Samori Italian Restaurant, Bayou Vu Cajun Cooking, uh, continued 789 Deli, uh, Dusty Trails Barbecue, Bayou Vu Cajun Cooking, and uh, a couple other Mediterranean delights for Mediterranean food. Uh, When we finally uh, separated the two catering businesses to focus on Kitchen AF, we had uh, 10 different 
concepts that we did catering under. Which really makes sense. I mean, anytime you go to, say, like a seafood restaurant and someone orders chicken, you look at them and you're like, seriously? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're here. And so you can't go to an Italian restaurant and order tacos. I mean, that just doesn't make sense, right? Absolutely. But we we looked at it like it gives us more bites at the apple. If there's 100 (laughs) caterers on this website and we're 10 of them, we have a much better chance of getting orders by being 10% of the offerings and by being 1% of the offerings. So what is a ghost kitchen? Okay. Um, And now these are my terms. These are not necessarily (laughs) industry-wide, but just Mm -hmm. so we can set some ground rules for what we're talking about. Uh, Ghost kitchen is a facility where you operate from, the the physical plant, if you will. Uh, Ghost Kitchen is usually typically going to be in an industrial area, not in a high traffic retail area because you don't require uh, retail traffic. Isn't that like a commissary? Exactly. Very very similar. Uh, Not a huge parking lot. You don't generally have... uh, there's no, there's not going to be any dining room, hostess stand, anything like that. It's basically just a kitchen and a pickup area, and that's all there is. A virtual restaurant is a restaurant that runs out of a ghost kitchen. There are several uh, larger companies that are now building concentrations of ghost kitchens where they'll take a, you know, a 10,000 foot warehouse space and split it into several small kitchens and rent those out to individual uh, operators. So the facility is the ghost kitchen and then the places that operate from those are virtual restaurants. Um, And then there's one more thing, which is if you have a traditional brick and mortar restaurant, uh, let's say you have a pizza place, and you want to expand your business, you might uh, you might invent a wing uh, company or a wing, you know, chicken wings restaurant and run that out of your brick and mortar restaurant, but only as a virtual restaurant. And we kind of refer to those as pop ups just to separate those, yeah. just to separate the virtual restaurants that are ghost kitchen, virtual restaurants and the virtual restaurants that are part of an existing traditional brick and mortar restaurant. It seems like this makes a lot of sense for a lot of, say, smaller mom and pop businesses to do something like this to expand their footprint a little bit and to get some extra business through all these delivery options. But it seems like we're also seeing some larger brands doing stuff like this as well. I, I think a, a great example, one of my one of my favorite restaurants in town, shout out to these guys, Hawkers mm. on uh, uh, 1792. Terrific place. But I noticed from dining there a lot (laughs) that since they've started doing the virtual restaurants, the cook times have gone longer in the dining room. So what some of these brick and mortar restaurants have discovered is that they they don't have the kitchen capacity to do their brick and mortar business and the delivery business without the brick and mortar business suffering. About 30 years ago, the, the trend in restaurants became smallest kitchen as possible, largest dining room area possible, because the dining area is where you you do your business, where you make your sales. And that's kind of turning around and, and starting to bite people now because they don't have a dedicated pickup area and they don't have enough kitchen space to do really a lot more than what they're doing in the dining room. So some of these places are saying, okay, let's let's have another presence in a ghost kitchen that just handles our pickup and delivery so that it doesn't negatively affect what we're doing in our brick and mortar location. And that's what Kitchen AF is all about. You personally operate a ghost kitchen, but you also have several virtual restaurants. We're what they call an inline uh, multi-concept virtual restaurant, meaning that we run several different 
restaurants from the same location, the same single ghost mm-hmm. kitchen. And they all have the AF title they're, on the end of they're, it. They're all tagged with AF. There, there's there's some things that, that we've learned over the years. There's a really steep learning curve in ghost kitchen and virtual restaurant. It's very difficult to start just a virtual restaurant because you don't have that brick and mortar location to establish a brand awareness or a name or, or for people to see it while they're driving down the road. So it was crucial to us if we thought we thought if we're going to be successful as a virtual restaurant, we're going to need to be multi-concept. We're not going to be able to make enough money to survive on any one single menu. But if we combine the menus together, that aggregate of those will provide enough revenue to, to justify to make it profitable. And using what you learned in the past, you you know branded it with a Mexican line, an Italian line, all, burger line, barbecue line, all these different lines. So what do you have right now? The, the, and it's important to note too that we did tag everything with the AF because mm-hmm. uh, we're really very quality focused. Our, I, I feel like our food's really terrific. And we wanted people to know when they looked at our other brands that they were connected mm-hmm. so that we received that benefit of cross-marketing. A lot of places, the theory is let's, let's have six virtual restaurants in one place, but we'll call them all different names and we'll try to pretend they're all different places. Mm-hmm. But that kind of works against you because you, any any success that you have doing really well in one concept doesn't translate to the others. Mm-hmm. Whereas if somebody, for instance, has a really great burger from Burger AF and the two days later they're on Uber Eats looking for pasta and they see pasta AF, oh, hey, they were <laughs> yeah. really good with the burgers. Let's see how their pasta is. So right now we started uh, the first one was Burger AF, um, and then Cheesy AF, which is Southern uh, style and comfort food. Uh, then came Salad AF, Pasta AF, Wings and Ribs AF, Soupy AF, Lunch AF, and Sweet AF. So if you open up your Uber Eats app or whatever app you use, you just search Burger AF or one of those Cheesy AF you, and you you'll can, pop up? You can mm-hmm. search Kitchen AF, one word with the AF attached to the word kitchen, mm-hmm. and they'll they'll all show up, anything that delivers in your area. And so you can also pick up, though, at your ghost kitchen. Yep. Is, okay. But right now, right now, we're, we're developing a native online ordering system, mm-hmm. but we've just been so wrapped up in keeping up with what we're doing at Kitchen Half. We've just been really relying on mostly Uber Eats, but yeah. uh, they, they now allow you to order for pickup or for delivery. So when you, you, this is not the first virtual offering you had said when you're with your catering businesses, but when these apps first started showing up, you know, Postmates and Grubhub and, and all of those things, like how... When did the the you know two plus two kind of happen to you? Like oh this it, is this is our this is our chance. To it do was this. a dream come true. I mean we had Kitchen AF is what we've wanted. We've wanted to do Kitchen AF for a decade, but the delivery aspect of it was kind of insurmountable. Mm-hmm. I, I was very intimidated mm-hmm. by the thought of having to employ. I mean, if we didn't have Uber Eats, we'd have to have 10 or 15 drivers. And you have to pay those guys. If you want to be fair to people, you have Mm -hmm. to pay them whether you're busy or not. So Uber Eats came along and they really solved a lot of the equation. They take the order for us. So I don't have to have anybody answering the phone or or working on the phone, people taking orders, transcribing orders. They take the payment. 
so we don't even we don't have a cash register or even a credit card machine that we use and they do the delivery so basically all we have to focus on is making the food packaging it and having it ready for the delivery person when they pick up and do you think that allows you to be like improve your quality overall because you don't have to worry about all those other absolutely. incidentals absolutely the, the i think the main difference is, with us is that we're able to focus mm-hmm. we're not distracted by what's going on in a dining room we're not distracted by uh you know any of the other things that go along with that we just focus on making the food making it as fresh hot as possible and we know it's going to be delivered one of the one of the things that I hear a lot uh, negatively as far as the delivery uh, concepts, Uber Eats, Grubhub, Postmates, all that kind of stuff, is uh, food quality. And to be fair, there are some things that are, are great delivery, and there's some things that just are not meant to be delivered. And most restaurants focus brick and mortar. Uh, they're going to make that food, and as soon as that food hits the window, comes out of the kitchen, it's going to be in front of you, and you're going to be eating it in three to five minutes. Um, with us, we have to plan on you not eating it for 35 minutes. So it's, it's a big thing. If you want to... Uh, and I don't, I don't like to pick on McDonald's because I love McDonald's French fries, but <laughs> McDonald's French fries are awesome. I think they're some of the best French fries in the industry. But 15 minutes later, mm-hmm. they're not very good. They, they don't travel well. You can't microwave them. You can't put them in the toaster oven. You can't fry them again. When they're done, they're done. So, for example, with Burger AF, we don't do French fries. We do tater tots. Tater tots have a greater mass. They tra- They travel a lot better than a regular French fry does. So... Everything on our menus are designed from the ground up to travel well and still be a good product after a 35 to 40 minute delivery process. All of our packaging is designed specifically for what we put in it. Our hot meals go in microwavable ventilated containers and then we put that into a, a brown paper craft bag because the craft bags hold the, the heat in much better. Whereas most of the time when you order off of a delivery or something like that, you get a styrofoam container and a t-shirt bag. And it, it just doesn't travel as well as, as our food does. So this is a very interesting concept. You are the first ghost kitchen in Central Florida. Have more opened since you guys first opened your doors? There's, there have been a lot of ghost kitchen, multi, multi-concept multi ghost kitchens in the United States, and most have failed. Wow. Mm. Um, and why is that? Um, I, I think uh, we, and to quote another industry person, we take kind of a Taco Bell uh, look at our menus, meaning Taco Bell has six or eight major ingredients, and yet somehow they're able to make 500 different things out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's tortilla, meat, cheese, vegetable. That's that's pretty much their whole concept. But they are able to package it in different ways that keeps it interesting. So with us, uh, you know, chicken is chicken. So you, you'll see a lot of commonality of ingredients mm-hmm. across our menus. We're not we're not doing Indian food. Um, we're not doing Vietnamese food. We're kind of staying in our lane, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which has been described as mainline American favorites. Um, another thing is, like I said, a lot of people, they, they, they don't connect their multi-brands together. So they don't get that cross-marketing potential that's, that's there like we do by tagging everything with the AF so that you know it's us. Mm-hmm. And uh, just not... 
just not focusing, I think, on the on the right areas, trying to the two mistakes, I think, have been not cross port cross-platform marketing and trying to do too much at once. What is the difference in overhead for a ghost kitchen versus a traditional brick and mortar store? Uh, enormous. Uh, the, the rent on our kitchen unit monthly is uh, around $1,500. Whereas if you're looking at a, I don't know, a Texas roadhouse or an olive garden or something that's on a, a freestanding building on a lot somewhere on a 436 or a colonial drive your monthly overhead just for the building could be 20,000 could be 40,000 wow. wow so there's a there's a huge difference and brick and mortars you're, you're going to have everybody working there you got hostess server busser dishwasher expediter line cook managers everything mm-hmm. i mean we have managers but our managers also work the line so we have a much smaller, more concentrated staff, much lower overhead. And the, the downside is that the Uber Eats platforms and people like that take a significant portion. Um, the average cut for Uber is around 30%. But again, they do a lot for that. They right. take mm-hmm. the order, process the payments. We get a check once a week, uh, direct deposit uh, for all the work that we've done for each concept for that week. And they do all the delivery. And mm-hmm. since we're focused on delivery, we've built those numbers into our pricing we we know that we're not we're not doing our restaurant menu and then trying to to sell it at a 30 percent discount through uber eats we know everything we sell is going to be subject to that to that charge. and what is the price range for some of your burgers or other items that you offer we're still pretty reasonably priced i mean i, I i'm pretty happy with our pricing uh you know pasta started like seven eight dollars burgers start at seven eight dollars um, got some really good lunch deals on the on the lunch menu. You can do a, a combination soup salad for ten bucks. So. And I hear, you know, even though you don't have a traditional brick and mortar store, but you do still want to be and need to be centrally located because of the delivery aspect. You don't want to be driving, you know, unnecessarily ten extra miles across town where there's a huge population area yeah and we're we we're actually really lucky uh that when we started the catering business where the where the current kitchen af facility is located we're at the near the intersection of aloma and 436 so we're in a really really Mm -hmm. good part of town very Mm -hmm. concentrated uh ucf for the most part is in our delivery area um, so we, we get Do you a, deliver all over Central Florida. It's a dynamic area. It's based on uh, what basically it's Uber's decision how uh-huh. far they deliver. And it's dynamic. It's based on how far a delivery driver can get in a certain amount of time. And because all of us probably I'm, I'm going to guess 50 percent or more of the people in, the, in this area have Uber Eats or Uber or Uber Eats on their phone. Uber knows everything that's going on with traffic. They can see yeah. who's on the road, how many people are on the road, how fast things are moving. So, at, you know, during rush hour, our delivery area is going to be kind of on the small side. But 10 o'clock at night, our delivery area is huge. I read somewhere that the founder of Uber is also trying to get in on this ghost kitchen business and investing a lot of money out in California. Again, on the on the facility side. Uh-huh. And there's things I like about that as a business model and things I don't like about that as a business model. Um, I think if their if their primary clients are going to be people like uh, Olive Garden, Longhorn Steakhouse, Chili's, places like that, that want to have a, a presence outside of their traditional brick and mortar to do delivery, I, I think that's a good idea. But again, 
if you're a mom and pop and you're going to move into one of these little ghost kitchen spots and try to be a delivery only place, it's going to be hard for you to get traction on a single concept. Mm-hmm. It's going to take you a long time, if at all, to develop enough enough revenue to make that even a smaller kitchen at a kind of a lower shared rent to make yeah. that make sense. Yeah. So these these apps and everything have been around for a minute. So, I mean, was there any trial and error going into Kitchen AF? Was there like another Ooh, attempt yeah. <laughs> that didn't pan out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think, uh, I think you learn more from your failures often than you do from your success. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, 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 it also had to do... And it's and it's great because the our we have a guy we work very closely with at Uber that helps develop virtual restaurants, and in a conference call with uh, myself and a, and some people who are interested in in helping uh, Kitchen AF expand by writing large checks, <laughs> uh, he said to them, you know, if anything, uh, Uber plays catch up with Kitchen AF, not the other way around. Um, when our first attempt at at doing this, we. When we catered, the catering business was very focused on on daytime. Mostly it was uh, corporate-style catering, drop-off, lunches, pharmaceutical reps, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So we were dark at night, meaning there was nothing happening in the kitchen in the evening. And with a facility being a huge part of of your investment, you want to try to use your physical plant as much as you possibly can to generate revenue. So we thought, okay, what can we do at night? Uber Eats, hey, this is a great idea. Looked on Uber Eats. Oh, you know what I don't see on Uber Eats? Family style meals. Let's do family style meals on Uber Eats. No. (laughs) (laughs) Two problems with that. Um, Family meals just weren't in demand enough. Mm -hmm. And the other problem was we at that time didn't understand the dynamic nature of the delivery area. When people did want family meals, it was during rush hour Mm, (laughs) when our delivery area was the smallest. People aren't ordering for their family of four at 10 o'clock at night. They're ordering around dinner time because it's their night to do dinner and they forgot to go to the store or plan anything or do anything. So it's kind of a last minute solution. But we learned a lot about the system from doing that. We learned a lot about what uh, people wanted and what and what they didn't want. Mm-hmm. So when we stopped doing that and took a break and we're developing the, the initial ideas for Kitchen AF, Uber Eats actually reached back out to us. At the time when we were doing Smart Table, it was our concept to add multiple restaurant concepts to that. But when we tried to communicate that to Uber, they couldn't wrap their head around it. They mm-hmm. didn't really know what we were talking about. And then six or seven months later, they were calling us asking us, did did we want to get back into the, the virtual restaurant business because their data showed that there were opportunities there. Mm-hmm. So Uber basically uh, had conversations with us and said, hey, uh, you know, because they track everything on that app. And one mm-hmm. of the things they track, they track especially because they want to know this, if you go on their app and search for a particular kind of food that you want and don't find it and leave the app, they keep track of that. And that's not what they want to see. They want to mm-hmm. see every person who goes on Uber Eats order Uber Eats so they can make money off that. So they approached us with ideas for for most of our first five concepts. Wow. And in, including those needs just were not being met by people were the other searching for well. people were searching for certain things and not finding it and then leaving the Uber Eats app without. Well, ordering. that's very interesting. Yeah. It was one of the most interesting things was is the the number 3 most popular when they suggested to us was soup. 
And I was like, hmm. this is central Florida, man. It's 100 <laughs> degrees outside. Mm-hmm. People really aren't knocking the doors down for soup, I don't and think. And how old is soup travel? And I was wrong. <laughs> Oh, really? Soup travel's great. I mean, that is fascinating. <laughs> a, they have access to all that information. And then the fact that they were willing to share it with you and you were able to capitalize off that, that's incredible. And even down to, to suggested menus. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't just take their menu and put our name on it, but we, you know, if they, uh, for instance, salad, if they said, uh, you know, uh, a Caesar salad with chicken is one of your most popular, we made sure that whatever our version of a Caesar salad with chicken was prominent on that menu. Mm-hmm. Something else that we learned from from Uber Eats is smaller is better. Uh, when people go on the Uber Eats application, they'll take a look at your concept and they might give you a swipe and they might give you a second swipe to look at two or three pages of your stuff. But if they don't find what they're looking for immediately, they exit out of your restaurant and go to the next one. Wow. Hmm. So if we had put Kitchen AF on the app mm-hmm. with burgers and pastas and comfort food and everything, it wouldn't have been successful because people aren't going to right endlessly scroll through through your app Mm -hmm. they know what they they know what they're looking for if they don't see it right away then they're going to move on so can you even find kitchen af or do you have to go to burgers af pasta af for now it's all broken up uber eats is is telling us that sometime in 2020 that you'll have the ability to order from multiple concepts Mm -hmm. for a single delivery so it Mm -hmm. is memorable you know burger af pasta af Tell us why AF and what exactly that means. Um, We have a board in our pickup (laughs) room uh, where people like to write their guesses of Uh what AF Mm -hmm. might mean. Who Um, came up with it? um, A friend of ours that uh, just happened to be in the, the building with us when we were bouncing around different names for our, our first concept was, which was the burger concept Mm -hmm. and uh, suggested the name burger AF. And, uh, we just liked it so much Mm -hmm. that we, (laughs) that we kind of adopted it for, for everything. And and everything has a logic behind it. I mean, we, we tagged it with that because we wanted to appeal to a a younger group of people Mm -hmm. and we wanted it to be something fun (laughs) that people could have fun with. I Uh mean, people have said, uh, always fabulous, uh, uh, always fresh and fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're located at the uh, intersection of Aloma Forsyth. Okay. So people have suggested Aloma Forsyth. I've heard American Freedom. I've heard any number, including some that <laughs> I, I that can't, can't say, say. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, with the FCC rule. <laughs> uh, but we let people decide for themselves what what it means to them. But it, it's been it's been fun mm-hmm. hearing all the different comments and the feedback and the and the different things that people have have wrote on mm-hmm. the board. Yeah. for their gas. Has There's, it generated a sense of mystique around the brand? <laughs> uh, a little bit. Uh, the, the people at the Orlando Weekly called us coy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you'll uh, we, we will we will take the secret of of what we intended it to mean to the grave because it's it's it, if we don't want to take the mystery out of it. It's still, mm-hmm. it's still too much fun. It's still too much fun. So where do you see your Kitchen AF brand going from here? Other ghost kitchens Everywhere. around the state or more <laughs> menus? Both? Both. Okay. Both. We're still not done. Um, we, want to, we want to do a couple more menus that are more specific, uh, like a vegan, vegetarian yes, menu. Yeah. 
uh, something uh, healthier or people who are, you know, trying to do weight loss or something like mm-hmm. that. So more specific themes of food. Yeah. Um, we're really looking forward to the to the ability for people to order from multiple concepts on a single delivery. So if you want pasta and you want a burger, you can both get it on one delivery with one delivery fee and one tip to the driver, that kind of stuff. Does Uber still give you uh, suggestions? Oh, yeah. Okay. They, mm-hmm. do you Absolutely. Think they, they do that with everyone? I mean, oh, they, yeah. Okay. I mean, this is, it's... Uh, you re- the, the, like I said, the learning curve on virtual restaurants is really steep. It's mm-hmm. not a, f- it's not been friendly to a lot of people. There was a yeah. company called Green Mountain that opened in New York and, and Chicago, and they invested literally tens of millions of dollars in it, and it flopped. Wow. And there, I mean, there's there's whole bunches of ones that you can look at all around the country that have have opened, made it several months, and then closed because they couldn't. They couldn't get the, 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 the revenue that they generated to create ROI return mm-hmm. on investment. And we just, because we've been doing this so long, I mean, find somebody else with 15 years experience in virtual restaurants, I don't think you can. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly believe, and because I've, I've not had anybody contradict me yet, nobody's come up to me and said, hey, this people, these people were doing virtual concepts before you did it with the, the catering business. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anybody else do this prior to us so we've you know we've been doing this for you know yeah. well more than a decade and and we've kind of got it figured out and it's not been it's not been kind to some other people who came at it with more of a of a corporate mentality i think because we're a small business we can be more dynamic mm-hmm. um we've yeah. had we've had an idea for a concept and had from the moment we came up with the idea for the concept to actually offering that food on the Uber Eats platform less than 30 days. Yeah. And you don't have the huge overhead. All of this, mm-hmm. this all of these decision makers that no. you're paying big bucks to to make those decisions. You know, another great example, Olive Garden, if they want to make a menu change, their supply chain is two years in the making. Wow. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't change a menu item on Olive Garden without a lot of work. You have to change every printed menu throughout the entire concept. For us to change our menu, I go online, click, 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 menu's changed. <laughs> <laughs> this item's not selling, delete. Hey, we think this item will do well, put it up. As long as we have the product in-house to make mm-hmm. it. I mean, we, uh, we on our Burger AF, we have a burger on there called JP's Stupid Burger. Shout out to JP. Justin Peacock, one of our best employees. And uh, came up with this great burger. I tried it one night. I said, man, this is fabulous, man. It's going on the menu. And I sat down and put it on the menu right then and there. So we made, he made the burger maybe twice. And what's in the burger? Oh, it's a, like a patty melt uh, with bacon and jerk barbecue burgers. Oh. Mm. It's really, really good. Really <laughs> so good. family meals were not a hit. What are some of your top hits? Uh, the burgers are, are really popular, but uh, pasta is really popular. Uh, anything with macaroni and cheese in it is huge. Buffalo mac and cheese. Uh, of course, Super Bowl Sunday, wings and ribs. We were, mm-hmm. you know throwing wings and yeah. ribs out the door like it was going out of style. Um, I, I think people I think people appreciate the things that we do differently. Um, when, when we do a burger for Beer, Burger AF, uh, we use a two-part container, uh, kind of similar to the, the old McDLT experiment for McDonald's uh, maybe a decade ago. And we keep the, the cold part of the hamburger, you lettuce, tomato, pickle, onion on one side, and the hot part of the hamburger on the other side with the bacon and the cheese and the burger patties so that it doesn't become a mess. So when, right. when it gets to you, the hot side's still hot, the cold side's still cold. So I, I think people... 
I think people like our are liking our food. Mm-hmm. Like if we were a brick and if we were brick and mortar restaurants, mm-hmm. I think we would we would still do really well. But I think they appreciate the experience of what they get when they order from us. They know it's going to be something intended for delivery, packaged for delivery. And when they get it, it's not going to be old and cold. It's going to be the way that they want to eat it. It's going to be it's going to be good. When we come up with a new menu item, we package it, put it on a shelf for 40 minutes, and then we pull it down and eat it. And if it's still a good product, it can go on the menu. And if it's meh, then it doesn't. It's all in the details. The devil is in yeah. the details. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Everything that we do has a purpose, and the purpose is quality. Yeah. I mean, we are mm-hmm. we are we're definitely a for-profit business. I mean, we're we're in this to make money just like the next person. And we're in it to make money on delivery and convenience and and all those kind of things. But if you don't have quality food, you're never going anywhere. When did you start this? Um, about two years ago, okay. August of August of eighteen. That's pretty and, impressive because mm-hmm. a lot of places, especially restaurants, you know, don't last even a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so for a new really, concept, really, really you know, excited. yeah, we're that's really that's excited. fantastic. We're, we're forecasting that we're going to do in gross sales uh, this calendar year between eight hundred thousand and a million. Wow. Oh. And our overhead will be sixty thousand. But not compared everyone. A, I mean, yes. Yeah, compared yeah. to a brick and mortar restaurant. Because you would think restaurant. that everyone, clearly people are trying to jump into this, but it's mm-hmm. just knowing your your audience, if you will. Obviously, you've had the experience here. So many contacts in Central Florida that really helped make it possible and doing what you've been doing for 15 years. Well, and I, I think at the I think the timing has just been really, really good, too, mm-hmm. because we're I think what we're seeing with Uber Eats, Grubhub, DoorDash is a generational dynamic shift in how people are mm-hmm. going to get restaurant food from here on out. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is a phase. I don't think it's a fad. Um, generationally, um, you know, my first cell phone was in a suitcase, basically. It was a briefcase right. sized cell phone. And now we have kids that have, you know, had a cell phone in their hand since they were five. When they want to buy a shirt, they go on their phone. They want to buy a car, they research on their phone. If they're hungry, they tell their phone to bring food to them. Mm-hmm. So it it's not it's not something that they have to adjust to or wrap their heads around or integrate something new into their mm-hmm. life they've grown up with this it takes me a minute if i'm hungry and i'm looking around the house it takes me a couple minutes before i think oh wait why don't i just order something off of uber eats mm-hmm. whereas somebody who's 20 that may be the first thing that they think is i'm hungry i should order something from uber eats so any interest in franchising this concept or you opening larger ghost kitchens and renting out space we're not ever going to build larger ghost kitchens and, and rent out space we're, we're going to stay in the in the retail um, but that is a big question whether right now for us and and the the people who of the different groups of people that we're negotiating with for for financial backing they'll have some input on that mm-hmm. too but we are coming down to the to decide are are we going to be a company store model or are we going to be more of a franchise model that that hasn't really been decided but we do plan on being in 80 major cities at some point. I mean, I, I don't think this is, again, I, I don't think this is going away. Right. I think this We're is not a dynamic just shift. just going to give up our cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not going to happen. Or stop eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, 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 the different companies that are competing, um, Uber Eats and Grubhub and everybody are, are competing right now for market share. They don't make money. Mm-hmm. They're, well, Uber Eats actually does better on Uber Eats than they do on Uber Passenger Service. But they're not really in this to make money right now. They're in this for market share. Because at some point, 
the delivery is going to go autonomous. Mm-hmm. And we're not that far from that. Qualcomm is making the, the, the 5G capable chips for autonomous vehicles right now. Mm-hmm. So this is not that far off. In fact, we're trying to stay ahead in the curve in that we're already looking at how are we going to interact with autonomous delivery vehicles when they arrive? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not a, a traditional brick and mortar restaurant. What are they going to do? They're going to have to walk it out to the curb and, and put it in there. We're, we're making sure that any place that, that we're going to expand to will have an exterior wall that will be capable of, of setting up a door or a dock or however these things mm-hmm. are going to work, that we're okay. going to be prepared for that. When those things start rolling out, we're going to be one of the, we're going to be the people that are going to be able to deal with that immediately. Further yeah. down like a new fashion version of the auto mat where you just stick it through the slot and exactly <laughs> absolutely I've, that's something that's something i've always wanted to open to and this, this becomes wildly successful and i and i have nothing better to do i would i would like to reopen the 1950s 60s vendo mat mm-hmm. restaurant yeah. i just always thought they were cool but yeah, totally. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know if that time is coming back yet, but that's something that that's always interested. Me. I mean, everyone's talking about how they want to move away from like having like an actual staff, like get to a point where you just never have to interact with a person. And isn't that <laughs> terrible though? I mean, you know, obviously there's clearly a need for delivery, and people don't mm-hmm. want to go out to restaurants, and I get that. But where you get to the point where you never interact with people. Yeah. I, I, again, I think this is a I think this is a generational thing, and I don't think. I don't think it's anything anti-societal, anti-social. Um, I had somebody say, oh, this is a great idea. You can you can never bet against how lazy people are. And I don't think it's a lazy thing or, or any of those things. I think people are looking at how they orchestrate and manage their lives differently. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a it's kind of mini capitalism with the division of labor. If you're a coder or you work for one of the simulation companies in town or one of the human resources outsourcing companies we have in town, there's some we're known as a service industry town. But there are a lot of really good high end tech jobs in this city too in this mm-hmm. whole area there's some great jobs and the people working these jobs i feel like are looking at their lives and saying you know there's overtime available at my place i'm going to pick up five hours of overtime this week and i'm going to use the money i make from that overtime to pay a guy to cut my grass mm-hmm. pay uh, instacart to do my grocery shopping i'm going to drop my laundry off the wash and fold i'm going to have somebody come by and clean my house and i'm going to get my meals from uber eats because it's more efficient for me to spend five or 10 hours at my job that I like and I get paid really well at than it is for me to mow my own yard, cut my own grass, clean my own house, do my own laundry, cook my own meals, do my own shopping. So it's amazing. I don't think it's necessarily a, a lazy thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think people are, are, are looking at these things as a way to increase their quality of life, mm-hmm. increase the time they have to, to do their hobbies, to paint, to read, to take the dog to the park, to go on a date, whatever the other things that you want to do are mm-hmm. and not spending so much time on the, the daily life, the mm-hmm. minutia of chores. So mm-hmm. people are, are, are seeing, Hey, you know, I have, I have opportunities now that, that didn't present themselves before. I mean, you can, you, there are platforms that are the equivalent of Uber for shopping, for housekeeping, for mm-hmm. lawn mowing, for everything. So if you, you don't feel like cutting your grass, you can go on the phone and have somebody cutting your grass in the afternoon. And I just I think that's a that's that's part of this generational shift toward toward services that are going to be kind of managed through these these kind of tech companies through the apps. 
Well, it has been fascinating hearing how you've been able to build this business and where you are going. I hope you come back in a few years, you know, when mm-hmm. when you are in 80 different cities all over the U.S. And we're, uh, we're really we're really, really excited about yeah. about the future. I mean, we've we've got a we've got a window right now where we feel like we're one of the few companies that really, really have this figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're we're in less than in less than 12 months of running the the kitchen af part of the business uh, we've had to break the the catering business off into a totally different part of the company now in a separate building because we just could not manage the both of them anymore Mm -hmm. it became too much and as a standalone entity we're already profitable in less wow. than a year. Wow. And yeah, I don't, I don't think we have any, we're not going to have any issue. I don't think with staying power, uh, we still have a few more concepts that we want to add. And then we're, and we're, we're looking at, we're definitely looking at the future. I mean, we're, we're still in a prototype facility that we converted from what we were doing in catering. Our next facility is going to be designed from the ground up for maximum efficiency in what we're doing now. Do you ever have people? So we're not even scratching the surface. Knocking yet. on your door, thinking it's a traditional restaurant, yeah. and all the time, all the time <laughs> expecting people, to sit people down. walk in and they're like. Okay, this is like a doctor's office waiting room and nothing else. What? I'm like, can we help you? Yeah. Yeah, we came here to get Burger AF. I'm like, we're a virtual restaurant. So and then I get, to, I get to explain uh, to them and everything. Yeah, yeah we have mouth. a walk you through. We have a big yeah. QR code on the wall. And we just tell people hold your phone up to it, and it takes you to the menus where you can order pickup. So you can, I mean, you can walk in. Scan the QR code, open the menu, order, sit down in the waiting room. We'll have you on your way in eight or nine minutes. Oh, we're fast. Yeah. We're, we're faster, too, than everybody mm-hmm. else because I don't have a dining room to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when your order comes in, we're, we start making it the second it comes off of that printer. And the Uber Eats driver is picking it up and getting it on the way to your house in an average of 10 to 11 minutes. Well, I know where I'm going to be ordering my next meal from. So <laughs> thank you so much, Jim Marshall, for coming in and talking with us today. Thanks, Thanks for we, having me. Yeah, we wish you nothing but the best and tons of success in the future. Kitchen AF. Yeah, that's us. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Florida Foodies. We'd also like to thank our guest, Jim Marshall from Kitchen AF. You can find all of Kitchen AF's offerings on Uber Eats and DoorDash. You can also follow it on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Kitchen AF. Be sure to follow Lisa Bell online as well. Search Lisa Bell News on Facebook and Instagram or Lisa Bell News 6 on Twitter. You can also find her new children's books online at normangnomebooks.com and by searching Norman Gnome Books on Facebook and Instagram. Also, a big thank you to our technical producers, Derek Mosier and Ryan Haley. I'm the show's producer, Thomas Mates. Florida Foodie is available to download wherever you get your podcasts. Please take the time to rate and review us there as well. You can find videos of all of our podcasts on clickorlando.com slash podcasts.